Cast Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f- put that in. I don't. So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, six to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I'm talking about the past, I'm talking about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I wouldn't know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going into the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball, and from the baseball angle, I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember it's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this team sucks. Well, he is out. He's out. Yes, Brady is out. Look at, look at this. Brady is out. And uh, Damon Mack. I'm not here to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. It's been run cleaner than any baseball business ever put out in the hundred years of the sell the team oh yes welcome back john pla passball show mtr radio network of course our twitter program here right here on the mtr radio network of course you can tweet at me at john underscore pla anything going on and you know listen one of the, one of the feedback that i've gotten and i'm i'm gonna be honest i'll share i try to share as much stuff as i can over the air whether it's you know going back and forth with people on twitter um, you know, a lot of the interviews I do are recorded off of, uh, you know, kind of kind of off of a ghetto type of uh, recording device. And some of the sound quality is a little bit compromised, but, you know, I'm moving in strides to uh, to, to get to a point where I'm going to be better off with it. But uh, I recorded an interview with George Riley. And of course, George, I met, you know, last week at the, uh, the ch- charity event for the best organization that, like I mentioned before, does a lot to provide college scholarship and money towards uh, you know, children in the in the uh, the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania area that are looking to go to college, and you know, this was probably one of the nicer men that I had a chance to meet. I recorded a good interview with him. Uh, here it is. Listen up, George Riley, former pitcher for the Cubs, Expos, and Giants. Uh, this is John Pielli. I'm here with former Major League pitcher George Riley. George, what's going on, man? Yeah, that's awesome, man. You had, you had a chance to uh, to go down to the uh, to the the best awards banquet and uh, the um, the golf outing. Tell us a little bit about your opinion of being there and you know what you thought of the whole thing.
the time in a Cubs organization until, you know, from about 74 when you were drafted at age 17, and, you know, really until about, what, 1980, 1980. And then you move on through a couple different teams, you end up pitching in the minor leagues. Um, anything really stand out about, you know, your minor league career really through the better part of the 80s? Uh, yeah, when I became a free agent, I needed work to uh, shoulder surgery. Uh, Team. 
manager and after the announcement, Lee could tell me it was me because I was the only left-handed pitcher on the team. <laughs> so they had to go, they had to go through the formalities and uh, Mr. Al Lundgren, the GM of uh, the Giants, called me and said, uh, I, I was in Vancouver. He said, I'm going to send you a plane ticket uh, to uh, San Fran. And I said, Mr. Rosen, do you know that the Giants are in Philadelphia? And when I grew up, out my bedroom window, I could see the veteran stadium. He said, oh, I didn't know that. He said, okay, I'll change the ticket. I ended up uh, flying to Philadelphia and uh, had the four-game stand there. And, uh, had, had to leave 246 passes for family and friends. And uh, it was a real nice time. I got the opportunity to pitch in the game in the series. And, uh, and you know, for you to be able to see uh, the kid, 12, 13-year-old kid, you know, the ballpark that you wish to play in and that I'm actually playing in. And, Definitely glad I had a chance to speak with George Riley, a really nice man. And I'll tell you, you meet him in person, and he, he he's just as nice as he sounds over the air when you're when you're talking to him. And I got to share a funny story about you know I've I reached out to George, of course, because I, I I met him last week at the at the fundraiser and a charity event. And you know I give him a call, and what I do is I set up you know my my phone to record, and I set my my daughter's phone up to make a phone call. So I ended up uh, I I called George, I left him a message. 
and you know left the number to call my my cell phone but you know instead he had called back on my daughter's phone by that time my you know my daughter's seven years old my you know i'm not going to explain why she has a cell phone but you know her her mother you know saw that he the, you know somebody was calling and my daughter knows well enough to you know that if she gets a phone call for somebody that's not on her list to well you know let her mom know so my you know my wife answers the phone you know has no idea that i was using the phone and you know speaks with this you know this nice older man that you know was just very nice you know nice says listen you know somebody called i was just calling back and you know and and you know he's, he's and almost makes almost makes you feel bad because you think that like all right my wife's thinking hey who is this that's calling my daughter and obviously it was all my fault but uh you know thanks a lot to george listen we're going to take a first break of this hour lots more stuff to get into back with the pass ball show right here on em pr radio network i'm karen siaska zeltman from italian hour when my car needs service i take it to jonathan's complete car care Jonathan's Complete Car Care is the best for auto repairs, tires, diagnostics, and tune-ups. You can depend on Jonathan's for the best service at prices you can afford. Give Jonathan's Complete Car Care a call, 609-601-6460. They work hard to give you the service you need. Jonathan's Complete Car Care works with many vehicles, including Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Volvo, Volkswagen, and Audi. Make Jonathan's Complete Car Care the company you keep. 609-601-6460. Call today for a free estimate or visit. Find us on the web at jonathanscompletecarcare.com and like us on Facebook and find us on Twitter. You're listening to MTR Radio, powered by mtrmedia.com. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. You're listening to MTR Radio. We have ignition. Strap in. You're about to listen to the hottest sounds on MTR Radio. You're listening to MTR Radio. A flipping out radio production. And you've got it. Hot, 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 hot. Blaze, blaze in the steel. Always covering the most current topics today. Check us out on mtrradio.com. We will offer packages to advertise on our website and on MTR Radio. Get your name in front of over five and a half million people. Advertise on MTR today. Email info at mtrmedia.com for details. Welcome back, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, and we're going to go rapid fire here for the next 20 or so minutes into some uh, some some discussions, some things that have been going on. You want to check out Bases Empty Blog, JohnPielli.com, the whole thing. Um, a couple things that, you know, obviously some anniversaries come up. You got the, the death of Hideki Arabu, which happened a couple years ago. You got a couple other things going on, the Pine Tar game. 
uh, certain things that, you know, you have the anniversary of and kind of remembering every year. But this past week, I got into a couple of contemporary things. And one of them I wanted to touch on and make it just brief is uh, Zach Wheeler, the New York Mets. And Zach Wheeler has gone out there so far up until this point, four and one, 372 ERA, uh, not counting a start on Tuesday. And here's a guy that's gone out there. He's had some command issues. But, you know, so far you see a lot of what you think uh, will be the the uh, the essentials and the ability to be a top pitcher in, a, in Major League Baseball and, of course, for the New York Mets. And, of course, you know, Zach Wheeler is in a tough spot because of the hype that's going to be surrounded around him. And, you know, it, he isn't different from a lot of Major League pitchers that are in that same spot. If you remember where he was drafted, this is, of course, when he was a member of the San Francisco Giants. He was taken number six overall in the same draft that saw Steven Strasburg go number one to the Washington Nationals. He was he was the he wasn't the next pitcher taken because the Orioles drafted with the number five overall pick a right hand pitcher by the name of Matthew Hobgood, who is twenty two years old right now, pitching in high A ball, a little bit behind, but you know, is not considered a total bust, but he's probably pretty far away from the major leagues at this point. Wheeler was taken over Mike Minor, who went number seven to Atlanta. Mike Leake, who went number eight to Cincinnati. Jacob Turner, who went number nine to Detroit. And Drew Storen, who went number 10 to the Washington Nationals. So you look at the fact that, you know, there was a lot of decent pitchers that were taken at that point. And obviously there's some hype that's going to be, uh, you know, you know, associated with that, whether he was pitching for the Giants or he's pitching for the New York Mets. Now you add to the hype the fact that he's traded in this, uh, in, a, in this trade for Carlos Beltran. Now I, I kind of consider it, part of the first reason so I'm not going to make a specific reason out of it but I, I do think another important aspect of this is the success of Matt Harvey and looking at Zach Wheeler you heard about people that were trying to trying to give you an idea of what to expect you know before last year when Matt Harvey hadn't made his debut yet obviously before Wheeler had made his debut with the New York Mets and all fans were trying to figure out hey these guys are supposed to be good but how good and the thought was, all right, well, Harvey's going to be good. Wheeler's going to be even better. And what has happened this year is Matt Harvey has become probably a top 10. And I'm being respectful by saying top 10 because you can consider him a little bit closer up in the radar. But a top 10 pitcher in all of Major League Baseball. He started the All-Star game for the National League. His numbers at the moment, 8-2, and 2, 211 ERA, 164 Ks and 145 innings. And he's pitched at an elite level in what's his first full season in the big leagues. So what is that going to make people think? Wow, can you imagine a pitcher being better than what you've seen from Matt Harvey? I mean, Zach Wheeler, you know, with the same amount of starts, should, should be, you know, 15-1 and one with a 180 ERA with 200 strikeouts and 145 innings. That, that's the way people perceive it, that they expect Wheeler to be better than Harvey. And now that Harvey has set the bar so high, what does this do for Zach Wheeler? Another burden that he has to come across. Now, the next one is something that you probably don't have to think about whatsoever. And it has to do with Sandy Alderson. Sandy Alderson, part of his probably lack of putting his stamp on the team may make this a bigger issue than it really has, has been. Obviously, right now, he is still toying and still using a lot of the players that he inherited from when Omar Minaya was the general manager. And remember, this is year three. This isn't year one or year two still. This is the third year that Alderson has been a general manager at the New York Mets. And one of the major moments, one of the bigger 
uh, moves that Sandy Alderson has made has been the trade of Carlos Beltran to the San Francisco Giants for Zach Wheeler. And obviously, the R.A. Dickey trade, which brought him back Travis Darnell or Noah Syndergaard. But, and you do have to look at the importance of the success of a Zach Wheeler at the major league level. And it, it may not happen overnight. It may take a couple years. This may be a situation where he can become a top pitcher two, three years down the road. But if he absolutely turns into a bust, and God for, or God forbid he gets hurt, Sandy Alderson's going to look, you know, you're going to look back and say, what has this guy done? This guy has not worked with a lot of pieces. He's not brought in his own type of players. Uh, you know, not, not that guys like Daniel Murphy or Lucas Duda or Ike Davis or Ruben Tejada or uh, Bobby Parnell or Dylan G. Not like any of these guys got to go. But these are all guys that were here when Alderson took the job. And one of the major moves that he made was acquiring Zach Wheeler. And Zach Wheeler certainly has to take the burden on him based on his success at the major league level is going to say a lot about the job that Sandy Alderson has done as general manager. And I'm sure Sandy Alderson is rooting for him because of that reason. But, you know, all these burdens, and actually none of them, should be on Zach Wheeler's mind at all. No, I mean, you know, the media is going to actually make him out to be the next Seaver, the next Dwight Gooden, the next Harvey. But it's on Zach Wheeler to focus on being the best version of Zach Wheeler he could be. He needs to continue to work on his command and not worry about having a couple bad games. Once he lets his ability and his skills do the talking, he'll be placed where he deserves to be ranked or deserves to be placed. He's done. He's pitched good enough so far, and he should continue to improve. And if he does, all three of the burdens that I just mentioned are not even going to be worth talking about because you know, you're going to talk about Zach Wheeler and how good of a pitcher that he has been. And I, you know, I obviously wish him the best, the success, and you know, maybe when the show's aired on Saturday, we could talk about a good outing he has against the Miami Marlins in Miami on Tuesday. But talking about a good thing, and that's Zach Wheeler, his development and where he's, he's uh, growing as far as being a major league pitcher to something that has become an absolute disaster, an embarrassment, something that, <clears throat> let's be honest, it's, it's spiraling into a point where you say it, it really is that ugly. And that's the failure so far of the Los Angeles Angels this season. And I'm going to start this out by talking about last season, the Albert Pujols signing, the C.J. Wilson signing. Obviously, two moves made to a team that was very good and made him seem better going into the 2012 season. The Angels started out 2012 by going 8-15, and 15, but they were 26-26 and 26 by the end of May. So seven games under 500 up through the first 23, and there were seven games over 500. In, in the next, uh, was it, 18, 29 games after that. They played good baseball for the better part of the balance of the season, but they still finished short of making the postseason. They finished 89-73. and 73. Obviously, a lot had to do with the play of Mike Trout, being a potential MVP candidate and a guy that should have won the American League Most Valuable Player had it not been for the season that Miguel Cabrera had. But looking back on it, 89-73, and 73, still a disappointment because this was a team that was good enough to not only make the playoffs, but lead their own division and be one of the top teams of the league. Now, you look back at you know what happened last year, I'm sure the Angels would sign up for it to see what has happened right right now. They went out there and they got Josh Hamilton. And you listen, I mean, I mean, all you could do is talk about hindsight and say that it's 2020 to say that Josh Hamilton was a terrible signing by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim because nobody was complaining about it. 
He's a guy that could have gotten an eight-year contract, could have maybe gotten a 10-year contract based on his numbers and his record and what you saw in the seasons before. If he got that type of money, would it have shocked you? No. But he signed a five-year contract based on some of his tarnished past with the drugs and the whole thing and maybe some of his issues with Texas. But a five-year deal for Josh Hamilton was reasonable. The team has a bad start. They go to the 9-17 in April, similar to what happened last year. They, they ended up kind of making right with a decent May, three games over 500. They were just 14-13 in June. And now the team has taken a dump. They've gone, gone backwards, 9-13 so far in the month of July, coupled with what was an embarrassing loss they had against the Oakland Athletics, which left them seven games under 500. Now they're eight games under 500 with three teams in the American League Western Division ahead of them. Oakland, Texas, and now Seattle. Would you have predicted that? And you, now you get to a point where you talk about what has happened. And, you know, when you see teams spiral out of control, whether it's the 2007 Mets, whether it's the 2011 Braves or the Red Sox or the 1964 Phillies, when teams spiral out of control, things like this happen, like what you saw happen Sunday when they led the Oakland Athletics 5 nothing in the second inning and they allow Oakland to tie the game. They take a 6-5 lead and they end up losing 10-6. to They take a one-run lead in the ninth inning and back-to-back -back home runs off of Ernesto Frieri cost them a game against the Texas Rangers. That's things that happen to teams that are in a free fall. And the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are in an absolute free fall. They made their first sell type of move, trading Scott Downs to the Atlanta Braves for a right-hander by the name of Corey Rasmus, brother of Colby, who is the outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, uh, they're probably unlikely to get themselves to go on that type of run to get them back in the AL wildcard race for, for this reason, the fact that it looks like the air is out of the balloon. You know, they're, they're not a team that really is capable of going on a big-time run like you've seen the Los Angeles Dodgers do. And you've seen some other teams do over the course of the season. Listen, anything's possible. And I'll be happy to talk about it if it happens. But now that this seems likely, that this is going to be a lost season, a team that looks like they're going to finish the season under 500, probably no chance of finishing over 500, let alone getting back to the same amount of wins as they have losses. Who is to blame? I find this interesting. You look at ownership. They've spent a lot of money. It looks like it was spent a little recklessly, but that's hindsight. You look at the fact that they brought in some of the best players in the game and it just hasn't worked. Is it Jerry DePoto's fault as a general manager for making these signings? And maybe not addressing the pitching in the way that it needed to be. They had Zach Greinke last year. If they added him back to the staff, then maybe they're in a better shape than they are right now. Their pitching stinks. Their bullpen is not very good. Other spots, they don't. J.B. Shuck is their left fielder. Maybe they need to make different type of moves to bring in a better hitting catcher. I don't know. But you could say Jerry DePoto didn't do his job. And I was against this 100% before. I really was. My thoughts of Mike Socia as a manager is still at this moment a top manager in the game and a guy that if he was made available, there would be a handful of 5 to 10 teams that would want to take him at this moment to be their next skipper. I'm not going to deny that. But you get to a point where managers are held to the accountability of what happens on the field. And I'm not going to say there's anything that Mike Sosha could have done differently. Sometimes the mix just isn't there. 
Sometimes you bring veteran players into a group where they're veteran players and players digress at a certain time and you just lose a lot of games. And, you know, in that case, a manager isn't deserving of losing their job. But a lot of times that happens. One thing I would be absolutely against is letting Mike Sosha go during this season. He has done a good enough job. He has proven himself as a top manager in all Major League Baseball. And if you're going to let Mike Sosha go, you wait till the season ends. I mean, you look at some managers in the past. Davey Johnson, a great run with the New York Mets. Whitey Herzog with the, with the Kansas City Royals and the Cardinals. Dusty Baker with the Giants. And even Casey Stengel with the Yankees. One thing they all have in common is, in spite of all the good, they were let go after a certain period of time because you know their, their, their tenure just ran out. You could say the same thing about Terry Francona and the Boston Red Sox. You know, you, you have a very good, successful run. I mean, you want to make a football rep- reference, Jim Fossil and the Giants. He didn't necessarily stink as a head coach. It just came to a point where you felt that the players weren't responding to him and there was nothing more that he could do to take the team to the next level. And it didn't mean that they were all failures in the job that they did because in most cases, Whitey, in spite of Whitey, Whitey Herzog was ready to retire, they all got other jobs. Davey Johnson's managing now. Dusty Baker's managing right now. Casey Stengel would still be managing right now if he was still alive. If he was 140 or however old, you know, 120 or however old he would be right now, he would still be managing in the major leagues. You know that. Somebody would give him a job. He would go out there. He'd send out his rhetoric, the whole thing. But the problem is the Angels will probably, in my opinion, be looking for a new manager this season. And it's not an indictment on Mike Sosha. It's not the fact that Mike Sosha failed as a manager here. It's a simple situation that somebody has to take the burden of fall. Jerry Depoto's only been here for a couple of years. Remember, he replaced Tony Regans. Artie Moreno isn't going to step down and blame it on himself. And you know the players get out of this as easy, easily as possible. They're not going to try to get rid of Albert Pujols. They're not going to try to get rid of Josh Hamilton or any of these guys. It's a situation where it's just simply going to have to fall on the manager. And it's unfortunate it's something that we don't really like to get into, but it's a sad situation in regards to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, a team that had so high of expectations and did not get the job done this year. But once again, John Pielli here, Pass Ball Show and TR Radio Network. We're going to be back finishing up the program after this. I'm Ron Sulpizi from the MTR Sports Report. Not sure where to eat? Then listen to these reviews. Awesome. Amazing Greek food. Everything is fresh. Great family restaurant in the heart of Ocean City. Katina's is an Ocean City staple. When you've had your fill of pizza, cheesesteaks, and ice cream, head for Katina's. Katina's Gyro Restaurant, 501 East 9th Street, Ocean City, New Jersey, 609-399-5525. Check out their website, katinasfoods.com. That's katinasfoods.com. Order their famous Mediterranean dressing, and they'll ship it right to your door. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Katina's Greek Restaurant. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7-24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station, MTR.
This is Lady E, one of the many broadcasters at MTR Radio. If you're listening to MTRRadio.com, fantastic. Que bueno! But if you want to take us with you, we have an app for your smartphone that lets you listen to us 24-7. Just go to Google Play on your Android device or the iPhone App Store and download our app, MTR Radio. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, finishing up this part of the program. And I'll tell you, this is a message that's really going to be sent out to a lot of dads and a lot of families that have young kids that play the game of baseball. You know, it is such a great game, but at the same time, it, you know, it could really be make a case that it, it's something that really affects you mentally and kind of depresses you and maybe makes people not want to play the game of baseball. And this spot that I recorded with former Major Leaguer Steve Springer, who was a guest on a passball show last year. He's a returning guest. Um, he's doing a lot of great work as far as the mental side of baseball and really getting people as well as kids as well as their parents into, uh, you know, just kind of playing the game the, the right way and going out there and just, you know, having a mental approach that isn't going to depress you when you fail. So listen to the spot with Steve Springer. Hey, welcome back. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. I'm here with former Major League infielder Steve Springer. Steve, what's going on, buddy? Welcome back to the show. Well, I like the way that you say Major Leaguer. I got, I got, I like to say I spent parts of two seasons in the big leagues at 36 days. So it sounds better than a 14-year minor league uh, player. <laughs> Man, you know what, though? You, 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 you ended up getting what you know what you put in I mean all those years you know I mean I'm sure you'd love to have stuck around in major leagues for a long time but you know the years that you spent in the minor leagues I'm sure were very valuable to you and you know I'm sure it was fulfilling when you were sitting there in a major league uniform and you got those handful of at-bats you had well buddy you know what if somebody was going to tell you that I was going to play in the big leagues when I was in high school they would have given you a thousand dollars and given you a hundred to one odds I mean I I was a freshman in high school. I was 4'11", 90 pounds. Uh, smallest kid in school. I barely made the team. I got three at-bats my freshman year in high school. Um, by the time I was a senior, I was 5'8", 140 pounds. So I grew nine inches, but I went from tiny to small. I played one year of varsity. I thought I was going to you know, be the star on the team. And after about two days, my uh, sophomore or sophomore took my job. And so now I'm, you know, I'm not even a starter as a senior. And I don't get recruited by any schools. Uh, I go to Golden West College because my brother's a star there. I'm thinking, you know what? The coach didn't even have to call me. He knows I'm coming there. Uh, and I went out for the team, and I got cut. So that wasn't the plan. Three days later, I'm home watching Oprah with my mom, and uh, and my brother comes home with the uniform for me. So I'm 19 years old. Uh, I'm a freshman in college. I got three at-bats, and I played in the big leagues. So any of you kids out there that think you're too small, Trust me, you don't have to be six foot five to play in the big leagues. I mean, well, what's Dustin Pedroia? Six four? Yeah, yeah, he's, you know, he's the, not that big. You know, yeah, he's the smallest guy in the game. He's one of the best players in the game. He could shrink two inches and be a big leaguer. 
you know, fortunately I grew four inches when I was 20 and I had a new body and all of a sudden I get, I'm getting recruited by everybody and I was a terrible student and I had a full ride to UCLA and I couldn't spell cat and I couldn't get in. And so I went to the University of Utah and so kids out there, please get good grades. Let your ability dictate where you're going to go to school, not your grades. Uh, so I went to the University of Utah and uh, ended up getting drafted out of, out of there. Yeah, ended so up playing 14 years. Nah, that's awesome. And I tell you, you know, you know, it really tells a good story because, you know, not everybody is as highly recruited as a lot of these, you know, younger players that end up getting into the game is. And, you know, if you're able to do it, and I'm sure, you know, it has a lot to do with, you know, what you've done, you know, after you've left the game. Uh, you know, it is a great message to see that these, you know, these these kids, you just listen, you know, you, you let your skills do the talking and you don't have to necessarily be recruited to have a chance to, you know, make the big show. Well, everybody thinks you got to go to a D1 school. You know, I hear I did. I, I sat the bench my freshman year at a JC. Uh, you know, fortunately, I grew four inches when I was 20. Now I'm an all-conference shortstop in one year. I always had ability. I was just too small and not necessarily even too small height-wise, just you know what? You got to lift. You got to get stronger. Nobody, no high school kids playing in the big leagues, even if you have a chance to play in the big leagues with the body that you have right now. So you need to get stronger. You need to lift. You need to stretch. There's a lot of things that that go into being a pro baseball player. And not everybody's a big leaguer. But don't tell me you can't get an education out of this game if you have any ability at all. There's so many schools out there just dying for kids that know how to play the game to come to their school. Yeah, no question about it. Once again, it's John Pielli, I'm here, former Major League infielder Steve Springer. Now, you know, you obviously have taken a lot of your knowledge of what you've learned through your experiences to outside of baseball. And, you know, you do the quality at-bats thing and you're doing, the, you know, the instructions and stuff like that. T- tell the listeners a little bit how you got involved in it and how you've got the organization to where it is right now. Well, the, Blue, the Toronto Blue Jays hired me to work with all their minor league players, and I'm a mental coach, and I'm, yeah, I made a CD called Quality at Bats, uh, qualityatbats.com is my website, and it's out there. I mean, I got, I got big league all-stars that call me once a week, and it's just been so awesome and so humbling that what I'm teaching works, and it works for girls softball, it works for, for travel ball kid, it works for dad. You know, every single player has two players, though. I did, Trumbo does, Batista does. Uh, Paul Goldsmith does, AJ Pollock. They got confident guy and they got non-confident guy. And the confident guy is a really good player, and the non-confident guy sucks. So my what I teach is how do we get that confident guy to show up? You know, I mean, I got Paul Goldsmith and, and AJ Pollock and Mark Trumbull. These guys call me about once a week, and I've never given them a mechanical tip because it's not all about mechanics. It's about the mind. It's about the heart. It's about the compete. It's about showing up with the confident Paul Goldsmith. When he called me last week, I said, buddy, who's showing up tonight? Confident Paul or not? He's like, Confident Paul. I'm like, good. He's a good player. And non-confident Paul sucks. And he starts laughing. And I said, not only do you need Confident Paul to show up, your team needs him. And this is what happens. We get so caught up in me. And, and, and there's a big difference between uh, Paul Goldsmith as a player and Paul Goldsmith wanting to help his team win. Right? When, when he's worried about himself, he's not a good player. When he worries about the team, he's one of the best players in baseball. And when we, when we buy into it's not about you, it's about the team, boy, there's big freedom for your abilities to show up. You know, like anybody that knows anything about me knows what the most evil thing in baseball is, the thing that destroys more young kids than anything in the game, hands down. It's the batting average. Get rid of it. It's the biggest trap in the game. I do everything right and go 0 for 4. Why is that my goal? When you really break down that statement, I hit four rockets right on the screws, 
I beat the pitcher. The pitcher knows I beat him. The pitcher's mom knows I beat him. And my batting average goes down, and now my confidence is gone. And now I'm 0 for 4, even though I hit the ball hard three times. And uh, my fifth at-bat, I'm looking at the lineup, and I'm like, oh, man, if two guys get on, i got to hit again. Instead of being 0 for 4, four strikeouts, and looking at that lineup, I need two guys to get on so I can be the hero. And so what I teach, John, is, is how to compete with confidence. And it's not only in baseball, it's in life. We're, we're going we're gonna to choose how we think. And when, when you buy into, uh, I ask all my players, if you're good when you're confident, you better ask yourself how, how you freaking create confidence every day because I'm good when I have it. And I think that's why my stuff makes sense to these guys and why it's blowing up. And, and my CD is as hot now as it's ever been. And I don't mean to boast, but it's right. And it, it's changing lives. I get just stupid emails from parents and kids thanking me, uh, which has prompted me to do a little online academy. And I'm going to launch it on August 1st, just in a couple of days. And I'm going to be online two, three hours, four or five days a week. Knowing me, it's going to be seven days a week and six hours a day. Just talking to members and, and trying to help them get out of their own way. I'm going to do a live podcast probably once a week. I'm going to have interviews with baseball players, uh, softball players, coaches, schools, D3 schools, Division One schools, uh, Major League All-Stars, all to try and help dad and kid. I'm really excited about that. That's going to be called uh, qualityatbatacademy.com, and it's going to be uh, you know, $49.99, the price of one hitting lesson. Parents are spending $50 for a half-an-hour flip session, and they need it if the guys could. But I got something for the price of one lesson, and you could access the mental side 30 days in a row. So real excited about it. No, absolutely, man. It sounds phenomenal. Once again, it's John Piel. I'm here with Steve Springer. Now, one thing that you touched on that I find pretty interesting, there's got to be a fine line between, you know, the confidence level that you're talking about as far as being, you know, confident. To have a certain amount of confidence, it has to be about yourself. But like you mentioned, there, you know, there's the fine line there. You have to make it about the team and not worry about, let's say, the batting average. How do you find that fine line between having enough confidence in yourself to know that you can get the job done to have that ability to make it all about the team? Well, it just gives you some freedom in the ability for your abilities to come out when you go with that process. I've done it both ways. I've chased 300. Okay, and now all of a sudden, like I said, you're over four. Now you don't even want the fifth at bat. Confidence is just, you know, just seeping out of you, and it's just it's just not the right way to do it. And hey, we, there's no true statement in my CD. You want to have fun, get hits. I get it, but there's a way to do it, and and it's and it's to if I get you guys to do four things every single day, walk up to play with confidence, with an attainable goal to hit the ball hard, attack the inside part of the baseball. And the most important thing is to help your team win. Trust me, confident guy's going to show up. But what really happens is we walk up to the plate with less than 100% confidence because my bag never is bringing me down. Uh, my goal is to get a hit. That's unattainable. I end up hooking balls, hitting hard ground balls short. I'm right-handed. Uh, and it's all about me. And you know what? I, I see it so many times. You know, if, if I'm good when I'm confident, how do I create confidence? That's why hit ball hard, you win works. That's why... Uh, help your team win works because that gives you freedom to get out of your own way. Now, now, you know, I, I, I got to ask this cause I find, I find it very fascinating what you're talking about. You know, how do you, how do you make that, that, that change into like, all right, I'm just going up there to just hit the ball hard. Like how, what is your best assessment on how somebody can block out 
what they've done before and just focus on just straight hitting the ball hard? Well, it's changing what you think success is. When Andrew Doubleday said get it by eight guys, he created the greatest game in the world because right there the mind screw was invented. Yes. You know what? I, I, I hit this ball hard. Oh, no, you got to get it by eight guys. Oh, great. You know, and that, that's why the, the, you know, that's why it's, it, it makes no sense. You know, I'll give you a perfect analogy. I, I, I got like, you know, I got 17 big league at bats. My first at bat in the big leagues, I'm facing Chuck Finley, and I'm sitting fast while I had an absolute missile. Uh, into right center, I'm thinking double, and Dave Winfield takes five giant steps and shoestrings me for a lineup, and I'm pissed. My next at bat, he breaks my bat, I hit a little flare over Johnny Ray's head for a hit, my first big league hit, and I'm happy. <laughs> it makes no sense, huh? Uh, you know, I smoke a ball and I'm mad, and this is, this is the beautiful thing about this game. Nobody knows it, but people that have my CD and people that are buying into you know, hit ball hard, you win, and changing what you think success is. And when you do that, man, there's freedom for abilities to come out. There's freedom for the confident player to show up. And that's what I try to help people out. The confident guy's a good player, and the non-confident player sucks. So nah. how do we get that confident guy to show up? You better change what you think success is. Nah, very true, man. I'll tell you something you know, we touched on off the air. Uh, you know, how, how, how does this relate to the, the younger player, the, uh, let's say, the teenager, the person just involving themselves into the game of baseball uh how how is that person able to get themselves to where they could just think about confidence and maybe not letting themselves get depressed or upset over over the fact that all right they they didn't make a play right they they didn't get a hit in a big spot well here's what happens okay parents love their kids more than anything i did too but what parents don't realize is most of them hurt their kids, even though they love them the most. Because as a 9-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old nowadays, they're playing the biggest self-esteem-destroying sport in the world. Okay? Because here's what happens. The little 7-year-old makes an error. He's embarrassed. He wants to cry. The, the other team's cheering. He didn't like that feeling. The, the coach is usually yelling at the kid, even though he, he's only 7. He wants a friggin' ice cream after the game. Uh, and then he's got to ride home with the parent and get another earful. So the, the kid makes one air or strikes out one time and now all of a sudden you know he didn't like the feeling he's like you know what i don't like this feeling i don't even want to play anymore and so now that we lose more kids at 13 because they don't like the feeling of always being in a freaking two-hour timeout because that's what baseball has a way to do and the parents put them there so i need to train parents how to talk to their kids it's we got to build kids up when i had an 11 year old team rich amaro and i who played nine years in the big leagues and we would get little cue stickers and we would put it on the back of their helmet if they had a quality at bat. And they loved it. We changed what they thought success is. We had the biggest spaz in the league on our team. And if this guy just fouled the ball off, we made him feel like he was Mickey Mantle. And he loved it. His parents loved this because nobody's ever given their kid positive reinforcement in sports. He was such a spaz. And it was his favorite year ever. So I need to train parents on how to approach their kids. And that's what the academy's going to do. We're going to talk about that. And uh, I'm just really excited about teaching. You know, I, I wondered why God had me spend 11 years in AAA, and I think it's to do this and to help people. Now, listen, it's great that you found your calling. I tell you, one thing that that interests me is the fact that, you know, parents, and you know, this is unfortunate, and some people do it intentionally, some people do it unintentionally, but. You know, parents have their way of thinking about what they did when they were younger, whether they played high school ball or played in college or semi-pro, whatever they got up to. You know, they tend to want to, whether it's intentional or not, 
to relive their glory through their children. What is your message? What is your message to to those parents? And what do you think is the best way to keep them from? All right, they want to see their child do well, but at the same time, they need to make sure that their child enjoys what they do when they're playing this great game. Well, and that's the, you just hit it right on the nose again. I mean, these parents want their kid to be the next Derek Jeter. Well, you know what? Probably not going to happen. But what we what we don't want to have happen is have this kid underachieve because of the pressures that we put on them. I love the analogy of, of most people that are playing baseball, it's like we just put them in a two-hour timeout or a three-hour timeout because they're always failing. And so when you change what you think success is, there's not as much failing. And now they're having fun, right? We all want our kid to be the next cheater. But you know what? If you can get your kid to play through high school and lucky enough to play through college, pat yourself on the back. Because most kids want to quit before they're 12 because they don't like the feeling of always failing. Yeah, very true, man. And I tell you, you look at the fact that a lot of uh, you know a lot of players aren't going to make it. And I think really one of the one of the best comparisons is something that's so obvious in the game of baseball. A good a good hitter gets a hit three out of ten times up, which means the other seven times they fail, whether they hit the ball hard or not. It, it, it's an out that it's it's maybe in their own head whether it's productive or not. But you know you know the fact that baseball hitting in baseball. Is, is a thing that you're going to fail at a lot more than you succeed. Well, okay, let me, I'll give you one more little tip. The batting average has no brain. It doesn't know if confident Johnny's walking up there or non-confident Johnny's walking up there. Yeah. It's good. It doesn't have a, a confident Mark Trumbo batting average and a non-confident Mark Trumbo batting average. It's one average. Yes. I'm trying to help these guys get their best average by bringing confident guy to the plate. He's a good player. He doesn't always show up, and the batting average doesn't know it. And this is why that number is so evil. Now, nah, very true, man. Listen, before I let you go, man, I want you to, you know, I want to throw you another plug for, you know, everything you're doing. Let the listeners know the best way to get, you know, get a hold of your CD and, you know, the camps that you're going to be starting in August. Well, yeah, I'm on August 1st, but it's, it's qualityatbatacademy.com. Uh, like I said, you're going to be able to access me, you know, close to 30 days for the price of one hitting less than forty nine ninety nine. If you want out, get out. I'm not trying to steal anybody's money. If you don't like it, get out by day number twenty nine, because on day number thirty one it's gonna charge your card again. You're gonna get my C D, you're gonna get my D D D V D with it. So that comes with it, uh, for a test run of a month. And I, I think this thing's gonna blow up. It's right. I got major league all stars that call me. I got the top colleges in the country. Uh, girls softball, I spoke to the University of Notre Dame. They led the nation in hitting that year about three years ago, four years ago. I spoke to the University of Indianapolis girls softball team, Division Two this year. They were the number one team in the country, 54-3. and three. So it translates to softball and, and baseball. And what's the age limit? Age limit is anybody, especially dad. Dad and mom needs it. And this is why I came up with this academy. Some mom called me up two months ago and says, Mr. Springer, I love your CD. I've read your testimonials. I'm sure your all-stars love you. But hear me when I say this. Dads need you more than Major League Baseball needs you. And that hit me right between the teeth to try and help dads and kids and, and, and bring back a little bit of freedom in these kids' game. So qualityatbatacademy.com. Uh, phenomenal, man. Listen, Steve, I want to thank you for having some time. You know, Keep up the good work, and we'll definitely stay in touch, my friend. Hey, buddy. We'll do it again. Thanks, John. Yep, anytime. Here, I hope you guys enjoy.